This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. In the 1950s, it was estimated that Malaysia had as many as 3,000 tigers in the wild. In 2022, that number has dwindled to an estimated 150. Is there still a chance to save our Malayan tiger? So today on the show, I'm going to discuss this and more with Muna Noor. She's a conservation officer with the Malaysian Conservation Alliance for Tigers, or MyCat for short, which is a platform between several partner NGOs that banded together to collaborate and cooperate with the common goal of saving Malayan tigers. Welcome, Muna. How are you today? Hi, thanks a lot. Really grateful to be here. Lovely to have you on the show, Muna. You know, we haven't spoken to uh, the good folks at MyCat for quite a while now, so it's nice to have you guys on the show. So I think, you know, maybe if we can just refresh our listeners' memories about uh, MyCat, you know, and maybe you could just describe the work that you guys do. I did have a very brief introduction, but maybe you can expand on that. Okay, so um, MyCat was uh, formed in 2003. As you mentioned, it is an alliance of uh, several NGOs that includes Malaysia Nature Society, Traffic Southeast Asia, the Wildlife Conservation Society, Wildlife Society of Selangor, and WWF Malaysia. So they came together in 2003 to foster better communications, collaborations, and coordinate the efforts between the various NGOs. And it is really the only alliance in Malaysia devoted to the conservation of wild tigers. Um, it also has the support of Perhilitan, which is uh, the Department of Parks and Wildlife. And because we, uh, my cat, works in uh, Pahang, specifically in the Sungaiyu Ecological Corridor. Uh, we also have the support of uh, Majlis Biodiversity Pahang. So um, the kind of work that my cat does, uh, right now we focus on protection, restoration and advocacy. So the catwalk, which is really the main focus of uh, my work um, and the team, is um, involves protection and restoration. And basically it was launched in about 2010 and it's really an anti-poaching, anti-deforestation surveillance walk. And uh, what makes it really special is where other tiger conservation groups are perhaps working with uh, authorities and also working with say the police or Vetua, um, we actually engage the public to come along on these walks and actually participate in the conservation. So we facilitate that. Uh, so that's really what makes it difference. And we have volunteers from across the world, many Malaysians, but also many international of uh, various walks of life, various physical capacities, and they can join on this walk. It's it's not like a hike where you go to a mountain <laughs> Yo, and you're no. like speeding, speeding up the mountain. Yeah. We actually walk uh, quite well paced with lots of breaks in between because we are doing surveillance work. So our, our role is to walk slowly, have a look around. We're looking out for signs of snares, traps, um, things that threaten wildlife, uh, also deforestation. Um, and those things are actually reported back to the wildlife crime hotline and also uh, which is later channeled on to uh, Perhilitan for their, for their action. Um, and uh, any data that we can collect on key wildlife species is also collected and all that is fed into a database. So the walks are conducted in poaching hotspots and uh, over time we've managed to get a very clear picture of 
how the hotspots have changed over time, but also how wildlife is moving within the corridor. Mm-hmm. And you also work with the local communities, am I correct? I mean, that's also, and we've been seeing some of that, right? Some human t- uh, human tiger conflicts happening and things like that. Uh, how do you work in, in those capacities as well? Okay, so with the catwalk, we actually engage um, the local indigenous athletes and they guide our walks alongside either members of staff or uh, trained volunteer catwalk leaders. I think that's really special because it means if you come along on a catwalk, you're not just listening to a member of staff who may have like vast amounts of knowledge about tiger conservation or volunteer leaders that have been trained. But, you know, people who actually live and breathe in that area and uh, they can tell you how their landscape has changed They can tell you what animals they see. They can tell you a lot about their relationship with wildlife and the forest. I mean, Adi, uh, I think a lot of our catwalk volunteers have met him. He's exceptional. It's like he loves to share and he has so much to share. I mean, he really reads the forest like a book in the same way that, you know, someone who lives in the city is streetwise. He's he's just like forest wise. So we work with them for the catwalks, but also in our rewilding project, Rewilding You, we actually worked with a large group of local community, which included um, Indigenous Pate, and they helped us with the nursery. It was predominantly women that worked in the nursery. They collected seedlings and uh, they helped plant them and just nurse them. And then we had like men working to replant those in like specific areas within the corridor, mostly around the viaduct area, which is basically where we anticipate that uh, wildlife will cross. Okay. And I think, you know, you mentioned, of course, that uh, during the walks you do, uh, you're looking for snares and things like that. And, you know, very recently we saw that news, isn't it, about the tiger being uh, rescued from a snare in Malaysia? You know, it's happening, you know, still there. And fortunately for this, this, I think it was a female Malayan tiger, right? She was uh, found, I think, in Goa Musang. Am I right? Did I get that right? Yes, that's right. Um, So Sumai Yu Ecological Corridor is not far from Marapo. And Marapo is really sort of like the last town before you cross the border between Pahang and Kelantan. And on the other side of that border is Guamusang. So it's it's actually very near us. And uh, while we don't operate in Guamusang yet, <laughs> um, we do operate nearby. And so that uh, the basically the corridor where we operate is really like the narrowest point that connects Tamanagara and uh, the main range of Banjaran Titiwangsa. So it really is like a vital lifeline to connect these two, the largest tiger landscapes, and allow two different populations to intermingle. Because the problem with deforestation and fragmentation is that 150 tigers can't really reach each other. And when they do try to reach each other, I mean, it's fraught with uh, human-animal conflict, possible uh, road incidents, and of course, like coming in contact with like uh, villages, there are wild dogs and uh, canine distemper has has like raised its ugly head as of like recent years. So an already like uh, challenged population is just so much coming at it. And so it needs so much help. And really like, you know, conservation is a, a lot of people consider it a wildlife problem or like a biodiversity problem. It's a people problem. And so like, People may have, like over time through perhaps not knowing like the full extent of what development means, like we've created this problem, but we're also the people 
that are capable of getting us out of this problem. But we really do need all hands on deck because I think, I mean, MICA has been around for since 2003. That's like 20 years. And uh, we're still talking about it. So, but time, time is moving on and the population is dwindling. So something really needs to be done now should be all hands on deck. We have seen, though, you know, quite a concerted effort, I suppose, uh, if I can call it that, in, you know, in the conservation of the Malayan tiger, especially, right? I mean, uh, maybe you can elaborate on some of the, um, you know, how how Malaysia has actually come together in terms of like uh, affording them protection. You know, the Wildlife Conservation Act was uh, amended, you know, anything like that that you want to highlight as well? Uh, Yeah, so uh, the various conservation groups work in the different landscapes. There's a lot of ground to cover, so um, that's how it's split up. Because there's a lot of ground to cover, there really isn't enough rangers. You'd need about 2,000 to 3,000 rangers to cover this ground. And, you know, poachers can turn up at any time, anywhere. Um, So manpower has been a real issue, but I think with engaging vetoa, these are like, veteran officers and also um, the local indigenous people, uh, Orang Asli, um, living locally in those areas. Empowering them uh, has been like a huge help. I think the um, work that's been done with the police, particularly Ops Hazana, that still continues, has like the work they're done has been tremendous. As um, like the inter... Uh, agency cooperation has has just really wielded some great results. Um, I think the public is also more aware. Um, It's really hard. Like I've looked through the um, media over the last two years and almost every month there is actually a tiger story. It's really hard to not know that there are tigers out there and that they are in trouble. I mean, just last week, I think there were, there's, Tiger stories, as you mentioned, coming out of Gomusang, tiger stories coming out of Trunganu. There's a lot of animal conflict now. So people are aware and people are acting. People have used the wildlife crime hotline. They've called Perhiletan. And so they're willing to step up and do their part. Yeah, so these are just some of the actions that are taking place. And of course, we have the um, the tiger task force mm. that the government has rolled out. There's funding going to the different states in order to protect forests. And, uh, you know, you have agencies like Majlis Biodiversity who, um, and of course the Crown Prince of uh, Pahang himself, who is really like come out in favor of tigers and in wildlife and is uh, working hard to ensure that his state is doing all it can. Okay. All right. Well, let's just go for a quick break. When we come back, uh, let's talk a little bit more about, you know, how I guess we all can come together and support the work that, you know, uh, folks like you guys at MyCat and all the other organisations are doing. I'm speaking today to Muna Noor. She's the conser- she's a conservation officer with the Malaysian Conservation Alliance for Tigers on MyCat. We're talking about how we can save our Malayan tigers. It's It seems it seems quite desolate, but, there, you know, as Muna said, we created the problem. We can also fix the problem. We'll have more after this quick break. Keep it right here on Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. With me today is Muna Noor. She's a conservation officer with the Malaysian Conservation Alliance for Tigers, or MyCat. MyCat is, of course, a platform between several partner NGOs that banded together uh, back in 2003, I believe it was, uh, to collaborate and cooperate with the common goal of saving Malayan tigers. Uh, Muna, you know, you've been kindly explaining the work that you guys do. And, you know, it's really been an uphill task, right? I mean, from, what was it, 3,000 back in the 1950s to an estimated 150 now, right? So 
um, you know, and you did mention all the sorts of different efforts that have come together, you know, the Malaysian government, you know, all the different groups have come together. But maybe just for our listeners now, uh, you know, again, like you said earlier, you know, it seems like a very remote problem, right? It's just happening somewhere uh, up north or, you know, it, it, we can't quite... Um, gauge what the issue is, I guess, you know, some people. Maybe we can talk a little bit about, you know, what are the main threats to the survival of the Malayan tiger? Okay, so, I mean, the number one threat is really poaching. And that's because uh, poaching can single-handedly take out, like, one tiger. And then the other issues are things like deforestation. Deforestation, the effect that it can have in tiger, it's, it's you know, uh, more of a cascade. And so, it's difficult to ascertain like how many tigers are ultimately lost through deforestation. But deforestation and fragmentation does affect the tiger's ability to mate and find prey species and uh, local extinction is possible within fragmented areas. So it's very, very important to connect these small areas. And that's really where Sungayu Ecological Corridor comes in for that particular space. There are other corridors across the country that uh, different groups are working to connect. So besides that, poaching may or may not be directed towards the tiger, but the problem with snares is that they are indiscriminate. So whenever you lay them down, you just don't know what they're going to get. Um, so for example, the snare that was laid in uh, Gomusang, we can't, I mean, I don't have the details, but it could have been laid down for anything. If it's a wire snare, it probably was intended for a large mammal. Mm. could have been a, a wild boar or sambar deer, um, but what was caught was a tiger. Sometimes tigers are targeted, though. Um, then there's uh, depressed prey species. So tigers do eat sambar deer. And uh, with very few sambar deer out there, I mean, I think they were hunted quite significantly. There's been a moratorium on hunting. And then I think also the government has acted to reduce the number of gun licenses that are being issued. So all that helps for the sambar to potentially bounce back with other protections. Um, and then we have uh, wild boar now are facing its own problems with the recent um, African flu. Yeah. Um, so we're losing a lot of wild boar and that's anticipated to have its effects too. So all these uh, small incidences can become like this huge cascade. Uh, and then last of all, I think I mentioned the CD, um, canine distemper virus. Um, so as tigers increasingly become in contact with uh, human civilization, whenever there's wild dogs, they can easily pass it on to tigers. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, those are like the main threats. But as I said, the main one is really poaching. And then to a lesser extent, there's the deforestation and fragmentation. And fragmentation and deforestation, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, that also, you know, when they cannot find viable mates as well, I mean, that also sort of like uh, affects the, uh, the their genes, right? And, and the children that they have and, you know, uh, makes them more uh, susceptible to disease or things like that. Am I correct? Yes, yes, absolutely. That's correct. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're spread out over a vast area. So just imagine if there were 150 humans and 75 <laughs> were you know, girls and 75 or guys and you're spread out across Malaysia and there's no way of getting to one another. I mean, like your soulmate could be out there, but you're just not going to find them without adequate help. That help could be like, you know, having a handphone, being able to talk to them, like getting in a car. But, you know, obviously like tigers like are unable to do that. And so we need to help them like reach um, their food and reach their mates so that they, you know, can continue to have like healthy progeny. 
Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I guess, you know, in all the, the, the years that you've been doing this work, right? I mean, is there any developments that that's quite hopeful to you, perhaps, you know, regarding the Malayan ties? Because like I said, you know, the numbers, you know, when you read the numbers, you're like, oh, okay, it's not working. But there must be things that are also keeping you very hopeful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's really important to stay positive. I mean, what's the alternative to Correct. stop and do nothing? That's not an alternative. Exactly. So, I, th- I mean, the amendment to the Wildlife Conservation Act I mean, basically, like it increased the the fines from 500,000 to 1 million and then also the jail term from 10 years to 15 years. And at the beginning of this year, um, uh, there was actually a conviction. Uh, so that was a good piece of news at the beginning of this year. We hope that that continues. But that really serves as a warning because when people are desperate, people will still go out and, you know, they will uh, hunt and uh, lay down snares. Um, but um, even... I mean, I can't speak for uh, the larger Malaysia, but certainly like where we're working, there have been like some really positive signs. So when I first joined MyCat, it was as a volunteer in 2012. That was just a little bit after the catwalk program had started. And I started as a catwalk volunteer and then I became a catwalk volunteer leader. So I've been taking out people. And and, uh, when we first started, we saw a little bit of signs of wildlife. It was exciting, exciting enough to keep me going. And then there was like a long period where we didn't see anything at all. And uh, it, it was demoralizing, um, but the work continued. And I'm really happy to say that after all this time, we're really beginning to see signs of wildlife returning to the corridor. We have camera traps set up. And when we go into the corridor on catwalks, we do see signs of animals. There can be scratch marks on trees from sun bears. There can be like animal prints. Uh, we see a lot of tapir. Um, sometimes we see different kinds of deer and there are other things which unfortunately I can't talk about because, you know, we're subject to an NDA and, you know, for the safety of the wildlife out there, I can't speak more of that. But yeah, we've seen uh, really positive signs of wildlife returning, but it is a long-term effort. It doesn't happen overnight. And, you know, it has taken MindCat and all the people that have come together to help us, all the agencies, the members of public, even the corporates that have come out to support this. Um, it has taken that time to see this change. With the um, central spine road that runs through uh, the Sungayu area, a lot of work has also been done in terms of rewilding. And that's like uh, planting trees in the areas that have like been set, like deforested and uh, in order to build that and for other re- deforested for other reasons as well. So there have been tree planting in terms of like planting fruiting trees and uh, other forest trees, forest species to attract the animals. And uh, we're fortunate enough to to know that there have been some large mammal crossings. Um, we saw elephants, I think, at the end of last year. Um, oh, and wow. this year, we're seeing some more interesting species. If you want to know what, you really have to come along to a catwalk. And so it won't be long until like, you know, the viaduct becomes like this really great highway that we read about in other foreign countries, right? You know, like animals using these bridges across highways. So like the viaduct will will be like that, except they're, they'll be crossing under. So while cars are going over, like beneath them, unbeknownst to, to the passengers above, like there's this whole exciting like uh, activity that's happening. Yeah. So that, that's really exciting. And we're really excited to share that with people that come along because it really brings the forest to life. Some of uh, people that come on the catwalks, depending what catwalk you sign up for, you may be able to uh, open up a camera trap and see for yourself what uh, animals 
walk in that particular area mm-hmm. for those who uh, come on a catwalk where we won't be viewing camera camera trap images um, there are you can actually view the animal signs so uh, yeah like we strongly encourage you to come because it like it's quite different talking about it to actually experiencing it, mm-hmm. and it's it's fairly simple to to join. Right? I mean, you just I guess need a certain level of fitness, and and you just need to sign up. I mean, how how can folks do it? Okay, so we if you go to any of our social media uh, in our link tree, you can actually sign up at the registration form. It includes dates right up to December. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the the next date available is towards the end of July, and uh, you can sign up there. We're open to locals and uh, foreigners, and but you must be above 18. In terms of fitness, though, like I think you just have to have an average level of fitness. It doesn't matter if you haven't had hiking experience. We go quite slow and uh, we do have a good look at the kind of like team dynamics um, and we make every effort to help people out. Uh, as I said, our job is to actually facilitate this. So we want to make it happen for people. You do have have to be above 18 though um i mean the reason for this is really it's it's really about safety of course yeah but we do get all ages i mean we have eight-year-olds signing up and we have 18-year-olds signing up so (laughs) and they and they really love it you know okay they really give it a shot no, that's wonderful. And um, and of course, you know, you have to know what you're getting yourself into. Like if you're afraid of like getting dirty and things like that, you know, no lah, right? Maybe that's not for you or you should just, yeah, give it a shot lah, huh? I mean, that's it's it's pretty much uh, catered for everyone. But I was just wondering, you know, if people can't make the certain dates, do you also do like specialised ones where like a certain amount of people, let's say I want to get the folks at BFM to join. Is that a possibility, like a corporate thing where we have a certain amount of people and yeah, we organise with you? Okay, so we have the basic catwalk. So that's like a two-day, two-night catwalk. And then we have our Catwalk Plus. So this one is a three-day, two-night. And uh, you get actually rewilding experience and also you get camera trapping experience as well. But we can do private ones. So we have run a few private catwalks before. Like you can have up to between six to eight people. Um, but you can also have it for one, but we do like it, it's a standard cost and then you get the full catwalk experience. Um, we have just rolled out our CSR catwalk. So this is, uh, we actually had, we had an early iteration that was supported by Royal Selangor in its very early days. And it's changed a lot since then, uh, as things have changed with, uh, my cat and the catwalk. But last year, we actually had UEM Sunrise come out with us and they sent uh, a group of uh, two groups out for a catwalk. And this year, we're rolling it out uh, in a big way. We're actually launching it. And up until 31st of August, we have a special rate for any company that wants to sign on to CSR Catwalk. We know that uh, we'd like to speak to sustainability managers or rather CSR managers uh, who might want to road test this out. So... We can support groups of up to eight. So, you know, they could come along with their team and trial it out at a special price. And uh, if they enjoy it, like they could roll it out on a much bigger scale um, later on at the end of the year or even like next year. So that's really the the big news for us. We really want to see that happen because that helps support the work that we do, which includes like the protection and also the rewilding. 
Mm-hmm. And I always say this, and I think people are getting tired of me saying this, but takkenal maka tak cinta. You know, you really need to to go and experience it to know, you know, what it is the amazing biodiversity that we have, you know, right here in our doorstep, right? Which we just take for granted. Well, so many of us take for granted, unfortunately. Yeah, and actually, um, we've seen quite a lot of people really come out of their shell. Like a lot of them do express that, you know, they're a little bit worried. They don't have hiking experience. They're a little bit afraid of insects or, you know, they might have a phobia towards snakes. Um, so we take account of all of that. And honestly, when they come out, um, it's the fact that they've gone out of their comfort zone and done something. And because we do make, uh, we are very concerned about safety, um, that, you know, they're well taken care of and uh, they have a generally like they have a really good experience and uh you know that i think if you were to go hiking by yourself you might miss a lot of things and so to go with like uh orambate mm. um or and to go with like conservationists they really are able to point out things that you would otherwise miss and it means like next time you're in the forest you can go out and spot these things because like you know you've had experience with that So it really opens up a whole new world to you. And Muna, you know, for anyone who's listening and, you know, they are interested to uh, take this on as part of their, maybe the company's CSR project, for example, right? I mean, what what is it that they can do? What is it that they they will actually get out of it? Maybe you can expand on that a bit more. Okay, so uh, with the CSR catwalk, we're really inviting corporates to send along their members of staff and to experience a a catwalk and and actually conduct the tiger conservation themselves, we just facilitate that. By coming along, the CSR managers can get biodiversity into their sustainable goals list. So um, some of the goals that they're actually able to achieve is like goal two, which is no poverty, uh, goal three, which is good health and well-being, goal 13, which is like climate action, and goal uh, 15, which is life online. And I think that's the trickiest one to get actually into your sustainability goals list because that involves the protection, restoration, and promoting the sustainable use of terrestrial ecosystems. So, I mean, that directly hits what MyCat is actually doing with our protection and restoration. So, I mean, by participating in this, basically, um, companies fulfill their sustainability goals. They really experience an immersive and educational team-building activity. You know, the, their staff get to forest bathe and reduce stress. And, you know, being out there actually increases creativity. So you never know where it might lead. And uh, in general, you know, I think healthy staff are productive staff. So it's a win for conservation. It's a win for your staff. I mean, on our end, by having companies participate, it actually supports the work that we do. It protects key areas. It helps wildlife recover. And we have, as I mentioned, seen signs of this. Um, you actively reduce the number of snares and traps should you find them. If you don't find them, that's actually a good thing. It's a positive thing. It means like the work that we're doing is working. Um, It provides income to local service providers and also an income stream for like uh, local Malaysians and the indigenous orang asli that live in that area. And of course, like you take away that public awareness, which you can then share with your friends. And we actually do have a friends rate. So if you ever come along and you want to encourage your friends, just you know, let them know to say that, you know, they're friends of Catwalk and uh, they'll get a special rate too. So that's really like what we'd want to see companies come along and do. And on the conclusion of the Catwalk, they'll actually get an impact report that, you know, can go into their um, annual reports. Yeah. 
That's really, that's what we would love to see. That's a lot there. That's, that's you know, huge impacts as well. And, you know, just maybe you want to spell it out or just kind of paint a picture of what, let's say, one typical day uh, on a catwalk might actually look like uh, for anyone who's just trying to imagine it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's great. Um, well, say you arrive on day one. So depending on what time you arrive, we'd let you settle in uh, into Marapo. So Marapo is... Uh, it has a little train station and it's uh, quite close to Sungai Ralau, uh, Tamanagara Sungai Ralau. So that is the entrance for many hikers that want to hike up Gunung Tahan. And you can actually, in your spare time, you can actually go and visit. Um, so they arrive at the guest house, we let them settle in, and then we'll have a little bit of a briefing to explain the work that my cat does and what they will they can look forward to doing in the next couple of days. So on day two, early in the morning, we all have brec- a local breakfast, you know, roti chanai and like local kueh. Uh, we pack a lunch and then we head up to Sungai Yu uh, Ecological Corridor and then we start our catwalk. So uh, we... We often like stop for lunch. Sometimes it can be beside a river. Sometimes it can just be on a hill. Uh, we might uh, view a camera trap. We might set up new camera traps. Uh, so we'll have a look at some of the wildlife that have been like in that area. Um, and then we come out in the evening. And then after that, you know, everyone relaxes, has a shower, and then we'll take you out for dinner. Sometimes on their own, uh, you can organize a night safari. What that means is, you, you know, you you jump in a jeep and then we'll go out into uh, the surrounding area and see what wildlife is. I mean, uh, you get to see a lot of nocturnal species like, you know, civet, um, snakes, Mm -hmm. uh, wildcats, things like that. I think on a recent one, they saw some bears. So uh, yeah, that was, that was really exciting. Or like, uh, I think in the, uh, if you come home in the evening and you have a bit of of energy, you can potentially like go to Sungai Ralao, get a permit. They're very cheap. It's only like $2. And you can have a little walk in in um, just at the entrance of uh, Sungai Ralao. And you, you can get to see like some interesting wildlife. Last time I was there, it was a constant helicoptering sound of uh, burung enggang. Oh, wow. I always forget the the, the English name. Yeah, hornbills, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And just constantly flying overhead. So now you're just too. showing off Lamuna, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, they've opened a canopy walk there. So um, they call it the treetop walk. So you can get a really good view as well, uh, especially if you're a birder. So that's uh, day one. And we'll take you out for dinner. Sometimes that can be in Guamusang. We just go for a local dinner uh, in Marapo. Um, and then day two is when we do the rewilding. So we'll go uh, to, we have specific areas that we're tree planting and trying to regenerate growth, um, generally around the viaduct area. Um, so there's some tree planting activity and then we go for another short catwalk. Um, but trust me, like even though the catwalks may be short uh, and what feels like close to the highway, you'll be surprised as I said, just beyond the highway, life occurs yeah. um, unbeknownst to us. We're just hoping that with enough support, life will be happening under the highway as well. Okay. It sounds amazing. And, you know, I've been desperately trying to like find a date, but yes, I will come sometime this year. I promise you, I'll try and get this BFM folks to come as well. <laughs> and, <laughs> We'd love to have you guys along. <laughs> and of course, you know, I mean, all of this, you need funds, right, to sustain the work that you do. Um, and so these are just some of the efforts. Any other efforts perhaps that, or any other ways that the public can support you guys, uh, you know, to continue the work that you're doing? 
Um, besides uh, the CSR catwalk and the private catwalks that you can come along for, I mean, all, all the catwalks actually like support themselves. But we actually have some fundraising initiatives. So we have three going on right now. One is actually for camera traps. So as I said, like the camera traps really help us track what's going on in the corridor. And right now it's tracking good news. But, you know, like there are other areas, like new areas that we're uh, going into that we need to monitor. And so um, we need actually more camera traps. Uh, sometimes they get destroyed by animals. Sometimes they uh, get stolen by people. Um, sometimes just like the elements over time. So, uh, yeah, we need some help there. Um, we also have general fundraising that we also do on Global Giving, which is really to support our overall project, which is protection and rewilding. But um, sad to say, actually, our rewilding efforts, um, this year we lost some our funding for that. It was meant to be a five-year project. We did lose the funding to that. Um, it was a decision that was actually made by the funder and actually had very little to do with uh, the success of the project. Okay. Um, so... Because of that, we've really had to downsize and we've really gone from supporting 44 um, Indigenous people who are working on the nursery and as community rangers, we've really had to dwindle that down to just a skeleton crew. So, you know, they've lost some income and I think it's a little bit demoralizing for them that they were working on something that, yeah. you know, they, they were beginning to see the fruits of their labors. Um, so we're actually continuing to maintain that, but at a very small level, but we actually do need funds to help support that and get us, get us on our feet while we look for more long-term funding. So we're looking for two things there. We're looking for like individual donors to help us out. And we're also looking for like large donors. Cause as I said, like these projects are long-term projects. You you will see small results short term, but you will see really great results long term. Um, so, yeah, that's something that we need help with. And um, you can either go to our link tree in our social media or you can go to mycat.my slash donation. Okay, excellent. All right. So I'm really sorry to hear about that. Now that's that's really quite devastating news because, you know, you've already set the sort of the groundwork and, and all of that and then to have it because it was a five year project. Am I right? Something along yes, those lines? Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, okay. So hopefully, you know, people, uh, yeah, do come and support because, yeah, it's really a long-term thing, right? Something we leave for our kids. And I mean, we're talking about climate change. We're talking about, you know, protecting what we have, uh, biodiversity. So this is, you know, it's baby steps that will really, you know, come together and really help in that effort. And I, I guess, you know, one last question, uh, Munam, before I let you go. Um People always say like, okay, so the tigers go, we have tigers in zoos. It's okay. Um, <laughs> maybe you just want to share, you know, what, what it would look like, right? If we did not have uh, Malayan tigers in the wild, you know, how will that actually come to affect our ecosystems and, uh, and us, you know, eventually? That cascading mm. effect that you, were meant, that you were talking about. Yeah, I mean, on a personal level, I think a lot of the magic would disappear without having tigers in the forest. I mean, as an eight-year-old, um, WWF visited my school and, you know, put on a video and in it like, were tigers. And I was really proud that, wow, Malaysia, a place where I come from, has tigers. So I think the magic would be lost. And we're only one of 30 nations that has wild tigers. And so I think, you know, it's like our global responsibility and a part of our national pride. I mean, beyond just symbolism to ensure that, you know, this animal survives. Uh, it's been here long before we came along, or at least... You know, I can't really specifically say I, I'm not a biologist, but, you know, certainly long before like modern people came along, it's been there. Um, 
What it does, I mean, like without the tiger and apex predator, you can see like um, there have been huge populations of wild boar exploding and, you know, they can actually ravage the landscape. There have been examples, for example, uh, there have been examples in, in America where they rewilded with wolves and, you know, people thought that this was a really bad idea. Um, but uh, it turned out, you know, they managed the population of ungulates and therefore like, you know, wild the forests or rather like the grasslands were restored. I mean, like rivers, you know, changed directions in a good way. I mean, like it really brought life back to an area that previously, like whether we realized it or not, life was actually suppressed. Um, and um, I think by protecting forests that tigers live in, we're really protecting ourselves. Um, apart from the biodiversity, I mean, like we're ensuring that there are water catchment areas. We're ensuring that, you know, our temperatures don't rise beyond a limit that is, you know, unbearable. I mean, there has been some seriously bad news in terms of people becoming dehydrated, overheating. I mean, there have been losses, human losses already happening. And like, we can actually turn that around. And as I said, like, you know, what happens to tigers might not seem related to you, but it's all really interconnected. It's very hard to explain how interconnected it is until you really come into the forest with us and experience that. But yeah, so I really advocate not just for individuals to do that, for companies. I mean, like, it will get your biodiversity into your sustainability goals. So you'll be able to tick off that box and, you know, get those kind of things done as well. If you just want to look at it from that perspective, you know, like completely understand not everyone is a wildlife person or everyone is a, is like a forest person, but you know, you can get the, get the job done. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's, it's wonderful that you guys are doing so many of these different uh, projects to get us involved, right? So that we actually know and we actually appreciate, I mean, what a tragedy it would be, right? If we see our tigers, our wild tigers go extinct, it is, it will be a tragedy. So, um, you know, folks, if you want, you know, there's the, the catwalk, there is the restoration uh, efforts through rewilding you. So that's why you, right? Not why were you. Um, yes. And uh, of course, you know, you can uh, protect by um, donating, you know, if you're not really into going to the jungle or things like that. There's so many different ways that you can help. Muna, thank you so much for joining me today. Any any parting message or any, any last message that you'd like to leave us with? Um. I, I truly believe in the power of in the, in the individual. I mean, as I said, I started in 2012 and I've really seen the change that's happened. And, you know, it's really taken uh, not just a village, a whole country, a whole like uh, world to come together. But, you know, the signs are definitely there. And that's just from individuals deciding, hey, I want to go check this out. So, yeah, the, the power of the individual is strong. So don't ever feel that, you know, uh, the problem is too big. You can take s these small steps and where you take it from there is entirely up to you. Um, but never, uh, don't give up. That's, that's just not an alternative. Um, yeah, you can still do stuff like it is not beyond repair. Thank you so much uh, for joining us today and for sharing all of that. And of course, you know, if folks would like to get in touch, uh, they just need to, I guess, head to your website. Uh, that's at linktree uh, slash mycat.so. Am I correct? Uh, yes. Um, yeah, that's correct. Or yep, just, yep. just, yeah, just search for, or just search for my cat. That's M-Y-C-A-T. Uh, and you can find it there. You guys are on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, Instagram, I'm sure as well, right? Yes, that's right. Yep. We're on uh, Facebook at The Malayan Tiger and also Rewilding You. Twitter is mycat underscore 200 and Instagram is mycat.so and also at Rewilding You. Um, and yeah, do check out our Global Giving page as well. You can just go to Global Giving and search Malayan Tiger. 
Okay, all right. Thank you so much, Muna, for joining me today. I was speaking to Muna Noor, Conservation Officer for the Malaysian Conservation Alliance for Tigers. You heard all those uh, websites. We'll pop some of those in the podcast link as well. Do go and support. Do go for the next uh, My Cat Walk. Uh, but if you miss any part of today's conversation, you can also always search for the podcast at bfm.my slash earth. You can also find it on the BFM app. This has been Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.